0: In the Smaramakadoshem, we are taught that if one were to read the Megillah like a storybook and just be happy at the funny parts and be sad and shed a tear at the scary and sad parts, we would not fulfill the mitzvah of Megillah. In order for us to fully to fully fulfill the mitzvah of Megillah, we need to re-experience it every single year. And we need to realize that the threat of Haman reoccurs every single year. And that it's not just a story of ancient time. It's something that's applicable to us every single day. Now, Megillah can be hard because, especially as women, we're like looking for a second minion and then there's no kids there. So they read like super fast and you don't get to fully experience it. But then the ones with the kids, you don't really hear everything because there's like crackers and everybody's like banging on the table for haman. So Megillah can be a little tricky. But here we are, and we are going to try to tackle a little bit of how to fulfill the mitzvah of Megillah on Purim. We spoke about davening last week and having that emuna, the emuna pshuta, to be able to fully believe and fully access the tefillah of the day. And what we're going to try to do now is fully access what Kriyasa Megillah is on par. So if one were to read through the Megillah, it reads like a mental health book, right? It says, all of a sudden, ear Shushan was so sad when they found out of the decree and Mordechai ripped his clothing. And then we start to even read the Megillah in the tune of And then later on, when everybody was saved, all of a sudden there was light and joy and laughter in the air and everybody gets excited, right? So the way that the Megillah is reading is kind of like tapping into our emotions and kind of telling us how we should feel. And there's this tremendous feeling of joy and simcha, and yet it's also contrasted by this tremendous feeling of sadness. So what are we supposed to be thinking when we're reading the Megillah? So in order for us to understand this concept of joy and simcha, we really need to understand its counterpart, its opposite. And if you ever want to fully understand something, you need to look at its opposite. So if you want to understand light, you look at darkness. You want to understand joy, you look at sadness. And where does sadness come from? The first time that we learn of sadness, is way back when, yes, you guessed, in Gan Eden, right? With the snake and Adam with Chava, where it really all began. And before Adam ate from the tree, everything was perfect. There was paradise. There was this wholesomeness, oneness feeling. And all of a sudden he ate from the tree. And now we learn that you're gonna eat with sadness. You're gonna work by the sweat of your brow. You're gonna have pain in childbirth. And all of a sudden sadness was born into this world. Now, the what sadness represents is this kind of, this lack of movement. It represents death, right? When we ate from the tree, we caused sadness, which is caused by death. All of a sudden, the the, the world all of a sudden had a timestamp, right? People were dying, right? When we ate from the tree, all of a sudden there was this concept of death. So what we are understanding is that death is what equals sadness. Then what does joy equal? It's like an analogy, right? Joy equals life. And even when somebody is, God forbid, depressed, they they feel like they're schlepping, they feel like there's lack of movement, there's a sadness, there's a slowness, there's like this death to them. Where somebody who's happy and there's music and there's playing and they're exercising, right, there's movement, there's typically joy is related to that. The Maharal teaches us that when Hashem created this world, He created with two forces. This force, the first force he created with was Pashtos, which was simplicity, everything homogeneous, everything wholesome, everything one. Then he created this other force, which is Harkava, which is complexity, which is things being broken down, things not mixing together. Um, An example to explain this would be Pashtos, simplicity would be living on a remote island, quiet, a drink in hand and listening to the ocean sounds. Life of Harkava, of complexity, would be living in New York City. Honking, the subways rolling, traffic, taxis, right? All that going, people rushing, people moving, people going from one point to the next to the next, right? Where there's not necessarily this calmness and simplicity and homogeneous, but what we call complications. Now, all sadness is rooted in Harkava. Physically, this is true when somebody, God forbid, gets sick, right? If your body is working as a whole one piece, right, one system working well, and an outside virus were to come in and attack you and cause things to break down, that's where sickness comes from. This is true, not only physically, but also emotionally, if God forbid somebody loses a family member and they're no longer connected to that person and they don't have somebody to call on their way to work every single morning all of a sudden there's like this disconnection, this breakdown. I remember feeling this for the first time after my last grandmother passed away. My husband still has his grandparents and they should live and be well and I still get to call them, but that feeling when I got into my car Friday afternoon and I had nobody to call, like I didn't have my grandmother to call and for so many years we were connected just by that little phone call and all of a sudden that brought sadness, being disconnected or if somebody has a dream and they're not able to fulfill it and they're at point a and they can't get to point b there's all of this oil and water in the way of getting to where i want to be that's painful and lastly this is also true spiritually in roughness if somebody were to do an avira they would do something wrong right and they would bring that into their neshama that's totally perfect right everything is beautiful and amazing there their body would not know how to react, their neshama would not know how to react to that external factor that came inside. All of this harkava would make the neshama feel so sad and feel guilt. That's where all the guilt comes from, right? We feel pain in our neshama. We feel sadness in our neshama because our neshama only wants to do good and then this outside factor is coming in. So all pain and itzavon and sadness comes from the breaking down of things, of things being disconnected and not brought together. Now, it's interesting because we're going to ask the next question, where does joy come from? So you would think, oh, joy must come from the other side. Joy must come from simplicity and pastas and that drink on the island. But we learn that actually joy comes from the same place as sadness. Joy comes from opposites mixing. On a hot day, all you want is a cold iced coffee, right, (laughs) Or like a good passion fruit iced tea, right? From Mom's pastries, Or on a cold day, you just want hot cocoa. You just want a hot drink. Or what makes music beautiful? Or what makes art beautiful? When there's contrasting things, when there's different things, I'm looking at this wall over here, right? This is cool, right? We have different colors and different aspects being brought in together. My sweater happens to match, but I don't know if that's too much, but joy and happiness comes from this place of opposites mixing together. So how could it be that joy and sadness come from the same place of Harkava? So Rabbi Nachman comes and teaches us how to understand this with a beautiful mashal. He says that imagine you're at a wedding, at a simcha, and everybody's dancing, right? But in the dancing matzav, you look around and you see there's one main circle in the middle of like maybe the ka'ala, maybe the mother, the mother-in-law, the sister, and they're all dancing and everything is great. But on the outside of that center circle, there are a lot of people who just happen to be there, a co-worker, a friend, right? A second cousin, somebody who you're not sure if they're there from the Hassan side or the Kala side, right? But there are other people out there. Some of them are checking their phone, some of them are already like taking off their heels, but they're not necessarily part of it. And what brings true joy and true simcha when there's a big, huge circle with everybody dancing? So Rabbi Nachman likens this wedding scenario to all of our feelings sometimes we have a few good little happy things in our life right that are that are there at the center of the circle but we have a lot of other outlying things that are very difficult and very sad and sometimes pull us down And what we need to do is we need to leave that inner circle just for a minute and go over and grab that second cousin and grab that coworker and grab that friend and grab that wedding crasher, whoever they are, and bring them all into the dance and into the circle. And that's where all the harkava of sadness can be brought into the happiness circle where oil and water not mixing together causes sickness, death, physical pain, emotional pain, all that stuff but bringing all your outsides into the circle, bringing all those those outliers into that circle is what's going to bring joy. That's where true joy comes from. I have this difficulty going on in my life, this difficulty going on with my life, and you start to think about all the negative things that are causing you to be sad, because that's what we do, right? You're for me, I'm in the car, I'm driving, and I'm thinking, oh, this went wrong today, and this went wrong today, and had I missed this appointment, and all these sad things that are happening that kind of want to break me down, and that's really where, that's what gets me, but if I start to think, oh, but I, this is a good thing, so I'm going to bring it into my to my inner circle, and this is actually another good thing, I'm going to bring it into my inner circle, and all of a sudden, I recognize that I have so much joy and goodness in my life that th- that 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 circle can't be broken. And you know, sometimes we think we're just, we're looking for joy in all the wrong places. We think that joy is on that remote island, right? And sometimes you have to recognize that joy is right here in the city with the hustle and bustle. We look at our Avos, for example, and Avraham, he represented chesed. Avraham is the epitome of pashto simplicity, all goodness, all one, wholesome. Chesed comes from a place of everybody gets everything, whatever they need, true chesed. That was Avram. Yitzchak, however, he represents the Midah of Din, which can be division, right? Gvura, strength, where, okay, you could come into the door, but but you can't, right? Dividing, breaking things down, and you would think that's where Yitzchak comes from, right? The oil and water not mixing together. And actually, what we learn from Yitzchak is that his name is Tchok which is laughter, which is joy. So the same root of somebody that you can think is gvura, is strength, is breaking down of things, is actually a person whose name represents laughter. Because joy doesn't necessarily come from being this whole, from being this complete one, paschot, simple person. Goodness comes and happiness and joy comes from complexity, from different things. And if you look at the story of Param, I mean, there's nothing more than being like, Oh my God, that's a bad thing. Oh, that's a bad thing. Oh, Esther got taken into Palestine. Oh, that is a bad thing, right? Like Haman waking up and, and deciding to kill all the Jewish people. That's a bad thing. But what happened at the end of the story and the end of the Megillah, and you can recognize, and this is how you can truly feel the joy of the Megillah, is recognizing that all those points actually really kind of make sense. And you bring those things all into the circle. I'm going to end with the story from the Baal Shem Tov where, uh, actually, I'm pretty sure this one's from Rabbi Nachman, where he gave a mashal, um, obviously, of a story of a man who grew up in a town in Poland, a small little town, and he was just like, he never made it in life. He tried very hard with this business, and this didn't work out, and his wife was kind of getting frustrated with him. And he would have this recurring dream every night when he went to sleep, that there was this this, um, bridge somewhere out out in in Paris That underneath that bridge there was a huge treasure and that treasure would be able to support him and his family forever. And he wouldn't have to worry, he wouldn't have to work. And it kept happening once, twice, but like when it started happening pretty often, he like tells his wife, like, I need to go take care of something. I need to go on a business trip. And she's like, business trip? Like, Yanko, like you don't even have any business to even go on a trip for. And he's like, just trust me, let me go. So Yanko, he makes his way out and he travels with all like any money that he has left and he goes to Paris and he starts to look all around for places that make sense in his dream that look like that bridge. And all of a sudden one day he finally finds it and he's like, that's it. That's the bridge for my dreams. So he waits till late at night and then he goes and he starts to make his way underneath the bridge and he starts to dig underneath this tunnel, underneath this bridge to find the tunnel to be able to find this treasure that he's waiting for. And the security guard all of a sudden sees this guy. and He's like, yo, like, what are you doing here? This is public property. Like, get away. You can't be here. And he's like, no, 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 I, I." How am I gonna explain this to him? He's like, forget. It, I'm not gonna explain this to him. He just continues to dig and dig, and the security guard is like, "Sir, this is public property. I'm gonna to have to arrest you." And he finally puts his shovel down, and he's like, "What well, have I got to lose? Like, let me just tell the security guard." So he starts to tell him, "You know, um, I know you're gonna think this is strange, but I've been having this recurring dream that underneath this tunnel, there's this buried treasure." And I just want to make sure it's true, and I would love to bring this treasure back to my family. And the security guard just starts to laugh. And he's like, Yanko's looking at him. He's like, Are you okay? Like, can I continue digging? And he's like, That's funny. He's like, Because I've been having a dream every single night that somewhere out in Poland, underneath somebody's dining room table, there's a treasure there. And he's like, Where? In Poland? He's like, wait, can can you describe this place to me? And he's like, yeah, sure. It's this little old hut and, you know, the the window was cracked in the front. But every time in my dream, whenever I walk in there, the dining room table, it's set with this covered tablecloth and there's candlesticks over there. And I'm pretty sure and on the dining table, there's a treasure. And as Yanko's listening to him, he's like, he's describing my house. So he's like, hold that thought drops the shovel, gets back into his horse and buggy, and makes his way back to Poland. He walks into his house. His wife is like, what's going on? Where's the, wh- what do you, like, how was your business? trip?" And he's like, one second. And he pushes away the dining room table, and he takes the shovel, and he starts to dig underneath his dining room table. And lo and behold, the treasure is there. And he begins to laugh. And he begins to think about all the places that he's been looking for joy and recognizing that joy is really right there underneath his dining room table. You know, a lot of times maybe, I don't know if this is just me, I like to think of like escaping reality is where I could find joy. But what we learn from the story is that pulling in all your negative points and bringing it to a whole, bringing it to the inner circle is really where the tr- true joy can come from. And we try to channel that when we're listening to the Megillah and we hear those words of La Yehudim Haisa of Simcha Vesas that true joy, where it really comes from and try to channel that while you're listening to the Magilla and throughout the day of Perm.